Hey, welcome to Let's Stop There. We have one hour to read Short Circuit by Colin Wedgelock, the novelization of Ganesha's favorite childhood movie, starring his favorite Indian-American actor, Johnny Five. What's it mean? I don't know. It's a show. Stop there. My name's Austin Hanna. Hi, my name's Ganesh Sarma. Hi, I'm Shane Perklow. And this week, we're reading Short Circuit by Colin Wedgelock. Well, for uh, previous listeners of Amazon Book Club and new listeners alike, welcome to Let's Stop There, the podcast formerly known as Amazon Book Club. Ganesh, Shane, how are you guys, how are you guys feeling about this? Fine. Great. Okay, that's, that's, that's good enough for me. I thought I was going to retire, but I guess a whole new thing. We did retire. We retired. We took a week off, and now we're back for the victory lap, like Jay-Z, coming back. Uh, yeah, let's stop there. The new podcast, not much has changed, although our mission statement is much shorter now. Forget everything you knew about the 25% mark and 50% mark. I'm never going to say those again. What we do on this podcast is we read a book in one hour. And that's a promise. However, that's a promise. Whatever it takes, we're going to do it. That's a promise or your money back. <laughs> well, let's not get crazy here. And this week, we decided to kick it off the first episode with uh, Ganesha's favorite movie ever, the novelization of Short Circuit. Well, I haven't actually read this book, but yeah, the movie itself that this book is based off of is a childhood favorite of mine, uh, introduced to me by my parents, who are also big fans, both Short Circuit 1 and 2. Didn't find out till much later in my life that the Indian character that I so loved as a child was played by a white actor, uh, one Mr. Fisher Stevens. My parents did not find it necessary to point out to me, nor, well, actually, let me take a step back. I don't think that my dad knew that this was... Did you ever tell him? Did you ever let him know that it was, your, your Indian hero growing up was a white man in brown face? I believe I had a conversation with him about it after I found out, and I believe he was just like, oh... Which, uh, which means that Fisher Stevens is the best actor of all time because he, That's what I he think, fooled right? an entire Indian family into thinking that he was an Indian man. And if that isn't acting, well, I don't know what is. Yeah, I agree. He's way better than Ben Kingsley as Gandhi. Uh, yeah, no, I, it's funny that Fisher Stevens as a young man played an Indian and as an old man looks like Shane Burklow. He's in some ways <laughs> is everything. He, he's the mascot of this new podcast. Fisher Stevens, uh, is the mascot for Let's Stop There. I'm calling it right now. Until he sends us a cease and desist. That's what I'm waiting for. We tried to get Jeff Bezos to drop the, the C&D on us at Amazon Book Club, and he never did. So we're going for a lower, we're, we're going for a smaller <laughs> fish now. Fisher Stevens, <laughs> if you want to sue us, our lines are open. Ganesh, what's that phone number? 567-309-0357. Call in. We're waiting for your call, Mr. Stevens. Wait, we have the same number? Yeah, we couldn't afford a new number. <laughs> A lot of the same infrastructure here. Not going to lie. <laughs> Not much has changed. Hey, listen, I got you a nice new fancy recording device, Austin. That's true. My mic should sound better, I guess, even though Ganesh is a wizard and has made me sound good all these all these years as I've been recording in a tin can with string. Uh, yeah, I got a fancy new mic. It's heavy as hell. Could mm -hmm. really could kill somebody with this thing. Uh, but yeah, hopefully the audio, audio quality is a little bit better. Book quality is still going to be pretty bad, though. Hey, that's not true. Hey. That's not true. You're right. These are all these are all great. Our whole thing is 
We have one hour. Yeah. Who does like, is there timekeeping? Am I supposed to do this? No. In fact, these episodes are probably going to be like an hour and 15. <laughs> the way they've always been. But hey. But the actual was, reading time, that will probably be an hour. Should we get a probably in there? <laughs> we're, we're promising too much here. I like the lofty promise. And honestly, listen, if we don't deliver, you can drive down to my house and you can put me over your lap and spank me. <laughs> Whoa, wow. Start, starting off strong on Let's Stop There. Spankings for Ganesh. All right, that's a new Patreon High tier. Stakes. If you... <laughs> If you give us $50 a month on Patreon, you get to spank Ganesh. Bare butt. <laughs> Once a quarter in perpetuity. <laughs> even, after the, even after the podcast is over. Many years from now. I think he's been after this the whole time. It's been three yeah. years of working up to this. In fact, when we were thinking about rebranding, Ganesh's first suggestion was let's spank Ganesh. And we said that doesn't really make a ton of sense, but you could put it maybe in the description. You got to work it in a little bit. You, know, you got to be subtle about it. That's what you say when they're getting ready to spank you. Uh, well, what a, that's what a way to start. Um, <laughs> okay, so Ganesh, do we? What's the rules here? Do we have a? Do we read a synopsis now? What do you want to do? The only rule is that um, we got to do this in an hour, so we got to knock this baby out. All right. So let's all right. uh, let's let's think quickly on your feet. Why start now? Okay. So what do you want? The, read us synopsis. Read us. The... I'm not going to read you the synopsis. What I'm going to do? Wow. Oh, Jesus, things are changing. Here's what we're going to do. Just so we're okay. covering, because I know this movie very well. Mm -hmm. So what I'm going to do is we're going to go through the entire movie and I'm going to read certain scenes from it, from the book. And I'll fill in the gaps. Just to be clear, this is the, this is the book. It is not the screenplay of Short Circuit. It's I the have book. that as well, if you want to check that out. No. Maybe after, Just maybe off air. Just the facts. All right, so you're going to, what are you going to do? Another note, I'm not doing an Indian accent for Fisher Stevens. <laughs> Nobody would have asked. That would be funny, but nobody would ask for that. I, you know, here's my confession. I don't know if I've ever actually seen Short Circuit all the way through. And if I have, it's been like 20 years. So does Fisher Stevens do like a offensive accent in the movie? No, it's a good accent to the point where <laughs> I was convinced he was an Indian man. Damn. Honestly, Fisher Stevens deserved the Oscar for that, I think. Well, all right. But you know what? You take it from here, Ganesh. What do you want to do? He, he deserves an Oscar for it, and then he deserves to have that Oscar taken away 20 <laughs> years later. He deserves to be canceled while being handed an Oscar. <laughs> Congratulations. You are offensive. So why don't we just take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to start at the opening act of Short Circuit. How about that? Sure. The opening why not? Act. Sure, if that's what you want to call it. Yeah, let's go. We'll be right back. <laughs> We're not starting on page one of short circuit. Is that correct? Is that what I've heard from you? We're we're bucking the we're bucking uh -huh. the uh, the structure of the old podcast already. Yeah, yeah. I've picked five scenes out that are pretty representative of this movie or book. It's uh, and I'll be it, filling in the rest with the plot from memory and from a nice Wikipedia page. So basically, exactly how we did the Bible, <laughs> but short circuit. All right, I like it. We nailed Which the Bible. I learned a lot. could be considered my Bible. That's true. This is your Bible. And I will say, despite the, the new name and the rebrand, if you haven't listened to the uh, final episodes of Amazon Book Club, two-part Bible, 
I would highly recommend it. It's probably the most fun we've had recording. Two good episodes, I'd imagine. I've only heard the first one, but I think the second was good. I was there for it. I don't know. No? All right. Ganesh, did you like it? Yeah. All right. Two out of three podcasters recommend their own podcast. (laughs) (laughs) That's good stats. 66%. No, I'm just, I'm rooting for the home team, which is now this thing and not the other thing. Oh, wow. Wow. You're, you're burning the remnants of Amazon book club. I I can't be bothered with it anymore. You're like Anakin Skywalker slaughtering the younglings. He slaughters a lot in that movie, doesn't he? Why wouldn't you? If we didn't even mention the, uh, the Tuscan Raiders, whole family. Sad stuff. All right, we're getting off track. Let's stop there, as you might say. Let, now let, let's now let's start there. <laughs> All right, cue opening Uh-oh. credits. Incredible eighty song with some robotic things going on. Cut to beautiful shot of Nova Robotics and Damon Washington, which has developed a new line of laser weapon equipped robots called Strategic Artificially Intelligent Nuclear Transport, or SAINT for short. So these are robots designed to carry nuclear weapons on their back, I believe. <laughs> cool. They also have laser beam like a Jansport. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Jansport branded nuke nuke packs. That's right. Some of them have the little rolling suitcase ones. Uh, dorks. And they have these tank-like <laughs> treads. You That's know? the suitcase. They have some telescoping eyes at a uh, cost of 11 million each, which is seems <laughs> like nothing. Yeah, that's not bad at all. I'll take that. I'll take two. Five robots have been built, each capable of being parachuted into enemy territory and transporting a nuclear bomb into position. And then you cut to Saint Inventor, Newton Crosby, played by Steve Gutenberg. Oh. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I haven't seen this movie. <laughs> so it cuts to him in like a lab, and you can tell that he's not really like the army kind of type. No, he's a pretty boy. He's a Steve, pretty Stevie boy, Goots dude. in the army? No way with those curly locks. He was in Police Academy. He was a tough guy in the 80s. What? People he? saw him. Police Academy was was Police Academy. I, this is another movie I haven't seen, but it never struck me as a gritty take oh, on the it's, police. It's about as gritty and truthful <laughs> as it can get. Was Gutenberg out there cracking skulls? Yeah. I must have missed. I, I should revisit all these. You got to keep up with the Goot, dude. I only know uh, late 80s to early 90s goot. Three men and a baby goot. Newton Crosby, he did not intend for these robots to be built for military purposes. And in fact, he's in like a lab and he has like a robot arm playing a piano or something. Cool. Outside, there is a military experiment going on. And they they invite a bunch of government officials to come see these tests of the robot. All right, hold on. I think we should mm -hmm. ditch the new podcast and just make this podcast Ganesh Remembering Movies. <laughs> so I'm, I'm enjoying this so far. The tests include things like making a martini for some reason. So you have a robot going <laughs> crushed ice and it's like making a martini. That's just sensible. So Steve Gutenberg designed a bunch of bartender robots and the government was like, these would be great for nukes. Yes. Actually, okay. there's even like an after party where you can see all the all the waiters are robots. So, ah. so anyway, so that's where we're coming in. We're coming in at the end of this test that the government has shown up to, and they're all very impressed. And that's where we're kicking off chapter two. Here we go. Thank Enemy you. neutralized, ladies and gentlemen. Objective complete. The voice was tinny and unwavering, and it carried clearly on the dusty air. Attention shifted from Dr. Marner to the small metallic contraption that was rolling forward from out of the swirling debris just a few yards behind. Dr. Marner seized a microphone from the lectern. Senators, generals, ladies and gentlemen, he said proudly, meet the star performer. He held out his free hand and the contraction came to a halt on his side. Okay, all right, uh, I'm gonna stop right there real quick. All right, that was quick. 
already. No, 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 not for just uh, just a a temporary pause. Let's pause okay. there. No, geez, all right. What are we, what are we pausing for? There's a character I'm gonna rename. Why? I don't want to say his, his his name is grading. I can already tell I'm not gonna want to say it. What is it? Oh, okay. I'll say it once. So I get it. It's, An offensive name. We got a Huckleberry Finn situation. Over no, here. it's it's Chigger. But uh, I'm gonna oh, just yeah, we kind of do. I'm not, I don't want to say that like 50 <laughs> times. So I'm gonna call him. What are you gonna uh, change it to? Chugger? Chapman. Chapman. Chapman? Mm-hmm. You just mm-hmm. riffing that? Mm-hmm. All right, sure. No, Ganesh was texting me all morning about it. He was like. He's like no, he's, he was panicking. He's like, I, I really call? think Chapman is is the way to go. And I was like, do whatever you want. And then he kept sending me Chap Chapman, 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 Chapman. Shane was like, I've told you, well, I've told you once, I've told you a thousand times. I don't care about the podcast. Do not speak to me outside of our recording sessions. I'm not on the clock. <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> I don't take my work home with me. Okay, Chapman. Marner said. Around at the side of the bleachers, a perspiring young man in a suit was sitting before a portable computer console. On Marner's instruction, he jabbed at a key and on either side of the grandstand, two huge banners rapidly unfurled. Nova Robotics, tomorrow is here. The audience barely had time to absorb this difficult concept before Dr. Marner was speaking again. Ladies and gentlemen, he said, you've just seen a demonstration, a successful demonstration of Saint. Yes, the Strategic Artificially Intelligent Nuclear Transport. The name of the game is Survival, ladies and gentlemen, and Saint is the key to that game. Nova Robotics is proud to present what is, quite simply, the most sophisticated robot on Earth. Cool. Makes me think of The Saint. Val Kilmer, Amy Smart. Hmm. I think that's just you. Ever catch that one? Nope. What movies have you seen? It seems like just based on the last 20 Me? minutes, it doesn't seem like you've seen any movies. I have. I've seen all the Ninja Turtles, and that's it. I have a VCR with four VHSs, and one of them doesn't work anymore. What's the fourth one? Well, I got the first two Ninja Turtles. Yeah. And then you got three Turtles in Time. <laughs> no, I don't have three. Didn't care for that one. Third VHS is just another copy of the first Ninja Turtles. Fourth VHS, it's blank. I'm waiting for a, another movie I like. You're going to record something on TV. Yeah. All right. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed there's a fourth Ninja Turtles coming out one of these days. I was just reminded that my first copy of Short Circuit, both one and two, were indeed VHS recordings from, I believe, UPN. <laughs> With commercials? Or did you pause? Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, no. We've had to fast forward through the commercials. Oh, my wow. God. What a nightmare. But then my parents made me better copies that didn't have the commercials. I think they were still recorded on TV. It's a lot of work. I was going to say that movie was available for purchase. Didn't have to go through all that, but I get it. Those were the days. You ever try to raise a kid like Ganesh? You know how much money you're spending on food? (laughs) Our budget's all gone to food, and now he wants short circuit on VHS? Hold on. This thing's playing on UPN right now. Let me just press record on that. It starts like 20 minutes late. And then the last 30 minutes are like a football game or something. Now the dust was beginning to settle. The audience could at last see clearly. The center of attention was a small robot. It stood on or was propelled by two lightweight caterpillar tracks. Its torso was a stocky barrel, misshapen and purely functional. And from this extended two prehensile arms, multi-jointed, fashioned from glinting metal and each capped with mechanical hands. The head rose from the top of the torso on a telescopic neck. Its most prominent feature was a twin lens arrangement giving an uncanny impression of eyes. Sexy. If it had not just single-handedly destroyed what seemed to be half an army, 
It could easily have been dismissed as a flimsy toy. The audience? Yo, we missed the part where it destroyed half an army? Or did we see that? I don't remember that. Was that in the first page that you said was boring? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, you're the expert. The audience regarded it respectfully. Still at the microphone, Dr. Marner said theatrically. <laughs> Say. They all bowed to it. There's our robot gentleman. Say, number one, I'm feeling awfully thirsty. I, I sure could use a gin and tonic. On the rocks. The robot went into action. One of its arms reached into the shadow area beneath the platform and brought out a small tray. On this had already been placed two bottles of lime, a swiss stick, a glass, and a huge block of ice. Ladies and gentlemen, I ask you to watch this closely. The manipulators are capable not only of incredible strength, the robot lifted a block of ice in one hand and crushed it effortlessly, but extreme delicacy too, while at the same time it picked up a glass, held it underneath the ice to catch the fragments as they fell. Marner droned on technically while his thirsty audience watched the robot. It moved with all the precision of a practiced bartender, pouring a shot of gin over the ice, then fizzing in a measure of clear tonic water. A razor sharp We've blade. We've got a mixologist on our hands. You know, that's good and all, but can it take it a step further? Could it be a sandwich artist at Subway? <gasps> Ooh, yeah. If I said extra pickles and slather on the mayo, could it do it? I think it could. Takes a little bit more finesse than a bartender <laughs> to make my Subway sub. Listen, you know what you don't get from a robot sandwich artist? Hmm. You don't get the shame of having to tell how much mayonnaise you actually want on that sandwich. I don't want to tell like a person, a real person, how much mayonnaise I actually want on that sandwich. But I have no problem telling a robot I would like four big dollops. Four big dollops, please. Yeah, that's the, you know, that's the beauty of uh, the, the COVID world is now I can just order all my food. I used to have to look a person in the eyes and tell them what I wanted to eat. And now I can just... I just type it in I'm like slather on the mayonnaise until you think it's too much and then add more. And the people, they have no idea how many people are actually at your house. That it could be an order for four people. Is that why before you open the door, you go, hey, guys, the food's here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's just you alone mm -hmm. in the dark. Thanks. I got a party going on back here. I ordered four pizzas for me and my pals. Yeah, a lot of places started to program uh, slather as an option. That's right. <laughs> That's good because I've always been writing that in the comments, and now I don't have to. I can just choose it from a drop down menu. I'm going to need you to apply this mayonnaise in a way that can only be described as slathering. <laughs> I don't want you to just, you know, put a little squirt. You got to get a big knife. Don't say squirt. And you got to slather it. That's what I'm saying. Don't, I don't want to squirt. I don't want anything squirted on my sandwich. I want it slathered, dolloped, dumped, <laughs> any of the above. What about like a kiss? A little, give me a little kiss of mustard on there too. <laughs> I want you to slather that thing with mayo and then just finish it off with a little, the dainty peck of mustard, if you please. Use your lips too. <laughs> you just type in lips only. <laughs> lips. Please use lips. A razor-sharp blade extruded from one of its hands, sliced the lime expertly, and a wedge was plopped into the drink. The final touches... Hold, were... Now, hold on. Mm -hmm. He's got a knife. We're halfway to Sandwich Artist. Sorry to interrupt, but, I mean, we're we're basically there. He does have a knife hand. That's pretty consistent with all the people I've seen at Subway. Just make his body a toaster, and... Oh, man. If you were like, I want that toasted, and then he put it inside his torso. Mm -hmm. Now we're talking. Subway ought to invest in this. Take all the untold millions they gave to Jared Fogle and reinvest. Good God. Have you ever seen a guy who had pedophile energy more than him? Sorry to bring it up, but <laughs> just, I could have told you 10 years before he got caught. That guy's a pedophile. Look at him. Yeah, that was his, um, that was his cover, right? He was walking to Subway all the time. Yeah, sure. That's another weird thing. His diet was he ate Subway sandwiches all the time. That doesn't even seem effective. Fucking freak weirdo. 
I'll tell you what one thing short circuit won't do is, you know, try to seduce your kids. <laughs> well, I, I forgot his name, Johnny Five or whatever. What's the fuck this rope? What's this robot's name? Yeah, it's Johnny Five. All right. Okay. That's way, that's way cooler than Jared Fogel. <laughs> Sorry, I've used my quota for Fogel references for the year. This is the so first episode. <laughs> this is the first episode of Let's Stop There. Hey, I don't think it's I don't think it's a bad idea to get us on the record as anti Jared Fogel right off the bat, just for anybody who's curious. Sorry to say, but same initials. <laughs> oh, oh my god! Oh dear, <laughs> that's good because in all the subway contracts, it just identifies him as JF, so they can just easily <laughs> port it over to the, to, to Johnny. <laughs> Sorry, Ganesh. We'll have to rebrand again next week. The final touches were a piece of lime peel <laughs> twisted zestily over the lip of the glass and three swift swirls with the swizzle stick. As the robot held the drink out to its master, misty condensation was already forming on the walls of the glass. 0.5 spacing, Dr. Marner was saying, and full three-dimensional human simulatory sight through not only the visible spectra, but an infrared and ultraviolet, too. He took the drink absentmindedly and placed it carelessly on the lectern. Well, number one, he said, you want to finish that model airplane you got for your birthday? Almost before he had finished speaking, the robot had produced a large cardboard box from somewhere. Inside... These robots have birthdays? I don't like that. Too human. Inside was one of those plastic aircraft assembly kits requiring cement, paint, and hours of patience. The metal hands blurred into action. Within a matter of two or three seconds, the model airplane was finished. Assembled, cemented, and painted in the standard silvery finish of the Soviet Air Force. Oh my, what? Oh boy. We got Ruskies <laughs> controlling these things? Uh-uh. No way. Mr. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down these robots. The registration number, ladies and but they were intent on what the robot was doing. Having held it up for all to see, he thrust it into the air with astonishing velocity, and without so much as a visible tremor, <laughs> zapped it in midair with a casual blast of his laser cannon. Bingo. Damn, that's pretty cool. That would sell me more than the martini. Any old brood can make a martini, but can you laser blast a plane out of the sky? Maybe. That could have been an incoming Soviet bomber, folks, Marner said. Or an ICBM. Kids play to our saint. You move it on the ground, you sail it in the sea, you fly it in the air, and saint can blast it to pieces. They were impressed. Senior military man spoke softly to senior military man. Heads nodded, hands slipped quietly into pockets to find a pen to write down the name. <laughs> oh, yes, this will do. This will do just fine. It's pretty good. Let's get it in a pair of Nikes. <laughs> now, the picture of this. Nikes on its feet. Now we're talking. That's a sensation. Thunder cracked ominously once more. This time it was close and several people glanced up to see the source. I immense cumulonimbus had formed behind them, looming over the sprawling complex of the Nova Labs. Maybe we'd uh, better conclude our little presentation inside, Marner said. Looks like we got a big cumulonimbus up there, so let's take it indoors. Let's blast it. <laughs> hey, Wally, blast that thing. All right, let's stop there. Okay, there it is. Boom. Every time you say that, we got to get air horns. Every time? Just kidding. But, no, that would be obnoxious, but the first time for sure. Okay, great. That was good. I'm excited to see what this little sucker gets up to. All right. How many sandwiches he makes, uh -huh. how many drinks he makes, oh, man. how many planes he blows out of the sky. All exciting things I'm looking forward to here. Does he feel rage? I mean, wouldn't you? No, probably not. At your creator, you don't feel rage? I do. Mommy and daddy? Mm-mm. Oh. Well... <laughs> Okay, that was. You want to talk about it off air? All right, to my therapist. Let's mm -hmm. jump ahead now. Let's we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll catch up with Johnny Five in a little bit.
<laughs> gotta get used to what to say here. We'll see you soon. Uh, uh, hold on. Be right back. jumped ahead we're gonna catch up with old johnny five even though we nobody told us his name yet i just know it ganesh what's the latest and greatest huh so they leave this little presentation they're going inside wait wait wait. just to be clear you're Mm -hmm. summarizing what's happened between then and now yes okay correct then the robots are being herded in like cats and they're going inside and wouldn't you know it a bolt of lightning hits the generator that's recharging robot number five Mm -hmm. we can't do this every episode this is just because you know the story so well Yes. Okay. Fair enough. All right. What? Uh, what? Uh, keep going. Johnny Five. Uh, robot number five gets struck by lightning. Yeah. He gets a little loopy. You know, he starts. He was already a robot. What does uh, the lightning do? Make him more of a robot? Gives him God's will. Does it give him like yeah, free will? Humanity. Uh. Yeah. So he uh, seems to be fine. Is that what happens to every? Is that what happens to every transformer that gets struck by lightning? It's just like whoa. I'm alive now, but it can't move because it's a transformer. And it's just like... Well, transformers were like sentient beings. I'm talking about actual transformers. Oh. There's a real thing called a transformer. <laughs> I'm talking about electronics outside that get hit by lightning on the reg. So number five, he's going back into the facility. He's like bumping into stuff. He's a little dazed from the lightning. Is that right? Uh-huh. He sees a, like a female robot go by and he starts following it around. Ooh, sexy, sexy. How can you tell? Does it have boobs? <laughs> Probably right as the eighties. <laughs> no response. My memory escapes me on that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. <laughs> I bet little kid he had a field day with those little robo boobs. Come on, that's not true. <laughs> All right, we can we can brush past it. Somehow Johnny Five ends up in like the loading area for a garbage truck, and then it gets pushed onto a garbage truck. That garbage truck starts to leave the compound, and then Johnny Five falls off the truck. And he lands in like a pasture. At this point, the uh, scientists are tracking him. I almost think we're getting we're getting a little too much detail here. <laughs> and they and they see and they see on uh they have like access to like Johnny Five like uh, eyes basically. Uh huh. And they saw that he was zooming in on those robot boobs, and they were like, "Bad boy." And they see it says like, "Would you like to be a pepper too?" And Fisher Stevens says that in an Indian accent, and which you're not going to do. Funny, not going to do it. As much as I want to, I won't for my people. That's good. You just did it off air. I guess for us, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but hey, I get it. I understand. Yada, yada, yada. So Nova Head, which is uh, Howard Marner, this guy that did the test, he pleads to not destroy Johnny Five, but the uh, chief of security, Mr. Scroder. Excuse me? Excuse me? <laughs> Scroder. Mr. Scroder? Yeah, played by G.W. Bailey. He tells his men to use any means necessary to put the robot out of commission. All right, so he's all over the place looking for input. The summary's running long. Security tank catches up as five crosses a bridge. The tank rams five and pushes it off the bridge. Five releases his parachute and unbeknownst to the driver, Stephanie Speck, played by Ali Sheedy. Oh, she's good. Ali Sheedy's driving this truck. Johnny Five lands on top of it. And uh, then Stephanie goes home with the robot on top of the truck. And here we go. Here's chapter 14. Whoa. What the fuck? All right. How many chapters are in this book? The phone had been ringing all evening as usual, and Stephanie This should was be a sh- picture book. This should be like a children's book with big letters and, uh, and illustrations, is my opinion. 
Anyway, go on. The phone had been ringing all evening as usual, and Stephanie was tired of talking to weirdo strangers. It was the advertisement that brought in the calls. The unusual combination of her passionate interest in homeless animals and the cooking of natural food seemed to touch a response in all the lonely people for miles around. Yeah, I mean, it was the 80s. You could say that about everything. Hey, man, it was the 80s. People just love using the phone. Call to check your movie times. Call to... Yep. That's right. That was the 80s. the natural food seller. 80s were wild. People would just leave their kid at the arcade and then never see him again. Call Ronald Reagan. <laughs> Patch me through to Mr. Reagan. Having explained to the ninth caller that evening that no, her planned group was not going to eat animals, and no, it was not against people eating french fries, and no, it was not etc. etc. she decided enough was enough and put the answering machine on. She stared glumly. How quaint. Now people just have to field this bullshit like on Twitter. That's true. Life was better when it actually took a lot of effort to get in touch with other people. You had to call them and use your own voice. That filtered out a lot of the nonsense, I feel like. She stared glumly at the list of names who had called her that evening and wondered if there was any chance at all she would meet people who thought exactly as she did. Time for a shower and an early night. She had a novel due back at the library and wanted to finish it first. That novel, the novelization of Short Circuit. Whoa, that's pretty cool, actually. She straightened, pressing her hands against her sides, feeling worn out and still residually angry with Frank, who is her ex-boyfriend. Stephanie started to go around the house, making sure that all the windows and screens were firmly locked. There were too many weirdos in the world. At the front of the house, she glanced out at her catering truck and started with surprise and quick anger. Someone was inside, moving around with a flashlight. She could see strangely colored lights glinting out the windows. Hey, she said under her breath. Uh -uh. I don't believe it. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. She grabbed the baseball bat. She's going to go out there and crack some skulls. Get out of my catering truck. Is that Jared Fogle? Get the fuck out of here. Pushed. Uh, she grabbed the baseball <laughs> bat. Like, they won't let me at Subway anymore. <laughs> I gotta get my fix somehow, lady. Pushed open the door and strode furiously towards the truck. When she was beside it, she could hear the sound. Someone was definitely aside, moving around, clattering things. Clattering? Now that sounds like Santa Claus. Stephanie whacked the baseball bat against the steel side of the truck. Frank, hey, get out of there. Instantly, the strange lights went out and the movement inside ceased. Come on, you dummy, Stephanie yelled. I know you're in there. Come out with your hands high. I'm armed. She raised the baseball bat nervously. I'll call the cops. A long silence ensued in which Stephanie discovered she was breathing noisily and jerkily, and try as she might, she was unable to calm herself down. What if it really was Frank? What if it wasn't Frank? She was scared, rigid. After a couple minutes, the lights came on again, making her jump. But somehow the sheer effrontery of whoever was inside calmed her down a little. Her earlier courage returned, but only slightly. She said, what are you, deaf? Her voice came out rather more high-pitched than usual, but otherwise okay. She crept around to the front of the truck, raised herself on tiptoes, and peered in through the windshield. She saw number five. Whoa. Hey, you're Johnny Five. I know you. You're in that book I'm reading, Short Circuit. <laughs> <laughs> it's too back at the library. If he was aware she was there, he showed no signs of it. He was rambling around inside her kitchen, two broad beams of light pouring from his lenses like twin flashlights. The beams fell on many shiny objects. Stephanie stared in disbelief. Oh my god, an alien. No, close, but no. She bobbed down out of sight and, and then could not resist stretching up again to see. She hadn't expected that an alien would be kind of cute. <laughs> you free for dinner? 
We're going to Subway. <laughs> He's like, why go out when I can make a sandwich for you? Check out my little knife. Can he blush? <laughs> yeah, but it's in his robot butt cheeks. <laughs> Your buns are baked. <laughs> we bake We bake our own buns. That's Famous slogan. Doing something right. <laughs> Stephanie gripped the baseball bat tightly just to be on the safe side and walked around to the main door of the truck and threw it open. The number five's head tipped slowly around to regard her. Suddenly, the baseball bat seemed superfluous and... With a rather self-conscious feeling, Stephanie threw it out the truck behind her. Hi, she said. He spun around and blasted her to pieces. <laughs> Threat neutralized. <laughs> Got a Soviet. Well, um, welcome, I guess, to my planet. <laughs> yeah, this is my planet. It's called Stephsylvania. The odd-looking alien with the spindly metal arms said nothing but edged backwards a couple of inches. Stephanie noticed the chalkboard she used in the truck on which she scribbled the day's menu. She took it down, and after consulting her wristwatch, she wrote, First contact, 10.17 p.m. Damn, she's really approaching this with a scientific manner. Number five backed away, his treads clattering over the metal implements that were now lying all over the floor. Hey, don't be scared. It's okay, I'm a friend. You know the word friend? What the hell kind of metal implements do you have in there? Fucking forks and spoons? It's a catering yeah. truck. Well... All right, hey, cool. Maybe he can start making a cake or something. Ooh, I'd love, love to see a little apron on. Oh, my God. Could you oh. imagine him with a little chef's hat on? Adorable. He's got, like, flour all over him. <laughs> he does a little robot <laughs> sneeze. Maybe a little puff comes out. But it's out of his, it's out of his backside. <laughs> Up those hot buns. <laughs> He's like flamethrower finger. He can do creme brulee. <laughs> that would be a better story than what's going to happen, I bet. Robo Chef. You know, that would be a great movie, actually, though. Robo Chef? I agree. Like Ratatouille, but with a robot. Yeah, it's a robot, and, and some fancy chef tells him he can never be the best chef in the world because he's not human. Mm -hmm. And it takes a human touch to be a chef. So then he works, he works years and years uh -huh. to become a good chef. Yeah. And then what were you envisioning, Ganesh? I said, did, did, uh... Well, I think he just waits till this other chef gets old and dies, and then he tries it again. But that time, there isn't anyone as mean around, so he actually succeeds. I was going to say he was going to work on his knife skills, and, and there'd be a, a lot of a montage of him like cooking up these beautiful dishes, like soufflés and yeah, creme brulees, all kinds of like really difficult-to-cook dishes. And then the last scene would be him <laughs> using those knife skills on the chef, slicing and dicing. That's what you get. It's good stuff. Then he calls up the credit card companies and perfectly mimics the chef's voice and says, empty the bank account <laughs> into, uh, into a, a Swiss account that he, the robot set yeah, up. Yeah. And then the robot takes all of his money uh, and then he uses it to uh, basically destroy the chef's wife and children. Oh. Hey, all's fair in RoboChef. It's a family movie. Just spitballing. Yeah. PG-13. If they just do the slice and dicing of the chef off screen, you just kind of hear screams and see shadows. Do you know the word friend? Here I come. Very nice. Very friendly. She took a step forward. In response, number five ducked his head down. Telescopic mechanism. Do you know the word girlfriend <laughs> or lover? The telescopic mechanism sliding down with a gentle whirring noise. Not wanting to alarm him anymore, Stephanie halted. So, um, this is Earth. Well, it's actually a small town called Masonville. State of Oregon, you know? I'm Stephanie. Me, Stephanie. No, that sounds wrong. She saw, she saw some of her food and as yet undisturbed by his rummaging, and she picked up a couple jars. See, I'm a cook. Not an ordinary cook, but, well, 
this is food. She mimicked eating good food. I'm what they call a sandwich artist. Do you know those words, Johnny Five? Can you say Subway? <laughs> and Johnny Five's like, eat fresh. He's like, this bread smells like shit. You like muesli? You should try some. It's good for you. And this is wholemeal flour. Are you, are you getting any of this? No. No way. He's like, do what? <laughs> Did you tell me to launch nukes? Okay. You getting any of this? Stephanie said. His head rose an inch or two. Look, no offense, right? But is that really you or is that some kind of spacesuit? And you're inside it? Maybe just your brain in a little jar or something like that? Damn, she's a talker, huh? Let the guy get a word out. Sorry, none of my business. She looked away feeling embarrassed and placed the food back on the counter. Number five said, Malfunction. You speak English? Malfunction. Need input. Real thing. Input. Input. That's information, right? Hey, listen, I'm full of it. Why don't you come into the house? We can talk, get to know each other, communicate. Yeah, I'll light a candle, put on some jazz, draw a bath. <laughs> Sorry, I want them to have sex. <laughs> I know I'm not going to get it, but keep thinking. I can think about it. Mm -hmm. She turned as if to lead the way, but number five stayed put. Come on, it's okay. She held out her hand like she would to a child. Number five stared at it, then held out a, one of his own. That made her smile, so she beckoned to him. Number five imitated her. This prompted her to try a whole variety of hand gestures, and he imitated each one perfectly. When she tried leading him away again, though, he still wouldn't follow. I'm not going to try to hurt you. Come with me. On an instinct, she went across, took one of his hands in hers. She pulled, but it wouldn't budge a fraction of an inch. He does not go with her. All right. It takes her a while to get her, get him inside. All right. <laughs> what are you, are you riffing again? What? It, it, no way. It just says he does not go with her. I'm yada, 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 a little bit. Are you fed up? You Do you know want to, let's, let's stop, stop there. there. We're stopping there. All right. Let's Boom. stop there. Quieter air horns this time. We're just going to fade him out until you never hear him again. All right. Well, hey, sounds like Johnny Five made a friend. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit more, if you know what I'm saying. She's kind of annoying. <laughs> I didn't really care for her much. Who's played? Who does? Who plays that person? Ali in the movie? Sheedy, dude. Oh, I love Ali Sheedy, though. Yeah, don't oh. recognize the name. What? No. You don't know Ali Sheedy? You ever see The Breakfast Club? Yeah, my friend. Uh, she's the one in The Breakfast Club who's like frumpy, and then Molly Ringwald gives oh, okay. her a makeover, and she looks worse. She was hotter before. Sorry, don't mean to objectify Ali Sheedy. It's fucked but. up, dude. She was good. Hey, she looked good pre and post makeover in Breakfast Club is what I'm saying. Oh, or Molly Ringwald gets off thinking she needs to do her makeup. Leave her alone. Well, I'm going to dig myself out of this hole and we come back. <laughs> I don't know. I can't imagine the scale of this critter. Is he like... Oh, Ali Sheedy? No. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my God. Guineas, you just made it way worse. Uh, Johnny Five. How big is he? He's like about the size of Ali Sheedy. <laughs> Just think of Ali Sheedy and then think of that size. <laughs> but he can, his like neck telescope, so he can make himself seem a lot taller. Like E.T. In my mind, and from what I've seen, he's a little bit shorter than a human being, right? Well, he can telescope, so it's really hard to say. That's true. He fit in the back of the catering truck. So there you go. He's not the size of like the Iron Giant, if that's what you're thinking. He could ride comfortably in an RV, if that's what you were thinking. I, if you were thinking, could this guy fit in an RV? He can. If you were thinking, could I take Johnny Five with me on a cross-country adventure? The answer is yes. Well, that's good to know because I've, that is my uh, sense of scale. RV. Well, there you go. There you have it. Shane was looking for somebody to go cross-country with, and me and Ganesh didn't make the cut, so maybe Johnny Five might be top of the list now. Well, he, brings, he brings a lot more to the table. No offense to you guys. 
I mean, he does. He's got great knife skills hey, and can make a mean drink. You want a guy who can pop out a martini while you're manning the steering wheel of the RV. I just want to play telescopes. That's true. You could kind of have a periscope situation. All right, let's jump ahead. Uh, we'll be right back. Okay, here we are, Ganesh. What's uh, what's what's happening here in short circuit? Do uh, Johnny Five and Ali Sheedy have a budding romance, perhaps? So after that scene we just saw, the next morning, Five is able to imitate commercials and do impressions of the voices it heard on TV. I believe he does a couple commercials and he does the Three Stooges. When Five accidentally falls off the rear deck of Stephanie's house, she sees its Nova Laboratories <laughs> nameplate on its underside and realizes Five is a robot rather than an alien. Then she gets really upset. <laughs> I loved you. At Johnny Five for some reason. <laughs> we were meant to be together, Johnny. Now you're just another robot. Then she calls <laughs> Nova up, saying that she is their missing robot and asks for a reward. Nova says they're, they're going to have officials right over, but in the meantime... Ask she... for a reward? Wow, she's getting greedy, huh? She's not playing her hand right. Are the California raisins in this? Yeah. Is that one of the commercials? Why do I lump these two things together? They're from, like, the same general time period. California raisins are the image of my childhood. And you grew up to look just like <laughs> <laughs> I've done everything I can to style myself in the in the the form of the California raisin. Sunglasses, the little gloves. Some call some call me the some call me the fifth raisin. <laughs> the lost raisin. Yeah, I wear sunglasses and I'm fully nude except for a pair of big white gloves. <laughs> and I'm purple and lumpy. And I sing a bunch of standards. <laughs> <laughs> That's me in a nutshell. You're on the behind the music. <laughs> yeah, I was the raisin that got booted out of the band. They stole all my ideas and then they kicked me out. All because I was a drunk <laughs> and a heroin addict. California raisins all were heavy into drugs in the early 90s. Nova tells Stephanie to stay away from number five because he's malfunctioning. Stephanie tells Five that help is coming and that he needs a tune-up. Five recites the dictionary definition of tune-up, which includes the syn synonym disassemble. And he goes, disassemble, no disassemble. Why would the dictionary say that? That is not what I think of when I hear tune-up. In fact, when I hear tune-up, I, I get the image that somebody's going to give him a beating. <laughs> Teach him a lesson. I'm about to give you a tune-up, Johnny. Five sees a grasshopper in the yard and tries to jump like it. It's actually a pretty uh, sweet scene. He sees this grasshopper jumping and then he starts jumping like the grasshopper. Then he ends up landing on top of the grasshopper and he squishes it. Oh my God. And then Five Johnny. asks Stephanie to fix the grasshopper and Stephanie has to explain what death is to this robot. He gave that grasshopper a real tune-up. Five gets upset, realizing that death can also mean disassemble. Panicking, the robot gets into Stephanie's food truck, quickly reads the instruction manual and then drives away. What? You can drive? What? How can you hit the pedals with those little, uh, you know, track feet? It's the instruction manual. He hmm. he knows. He learned. Can he hotwire it? No. He had the key. Okay, so that's where I'm going to come back in, all right? Oh, we're in the middle of a car scene? He's driving? He just got in the car. Stephanie uh, jumps in the back right as he drives what? away. Here we go. 
What a madcap scene. Stephanie had managed to climb over into the front passenger seat after one attempt to rest, wrestle the controls away from number five. <laughs> Johnny's a fucking madman. But had discovered that he was holding them with a grip of steel. She took a deep breath. Well, he's made of steel. He is made of steel. Yeah, it makes sense. Johnny's like, you get one step closer and I'll take this thing right off the road. Okay, number five, she said. Now I'm getting serious. Stop this truck. Well, he earnestly ignored her. He was most probably the worst driver on the whole North American continent. Quite aside from the fact that straight steering was a concept totally unknown to him. He was doing 30 miles an hour and was still in first gear. Oh, he's driving stick? I'd be doing just as bad. They had crossed two minor intersections and were leaving the suburban area when they came to a highway. Number five turned onto it and continued his erratic, noisy course. Are you going to stop? No reply. Then at least shift <laughs> into a higher gear. Yeah, Johnny Five is a straight sociopath, dude. What the fuck? Imagine being trapped in a speeding car with a guy who's just non-responsive. Imagine coming <laughs> into consciousness and knowing, like, nothing. And then watching TV for one night. And that that's your framework of the world. <laughs> Yo, dude, that happened to all of us. <laughs> we all came into consciousness out of nothing and then watched TV immediately. Yeah. It worked out for us. Yeah, that's look at us. We're doing fine. It sounds really familiar. I has I am not omnipresent. I haven't been alive forever. I was once nothing and became something. And then I watched TV and now I'm here. It happens every morning. Come into consciousness. <laughs> <laughs> After a night of heavy drinking. I wake up and I'm like a newborn baby. I have to relearn everything. Plot me in front of the TV and I'm good. All his attention became focused on this task. And although at the end of it, he had get it into Top Gear, the truck by this time had wandered off the road and was bouncing wildly over rough ground. Oh dear. Nice work, Canhead, Stephanie said. Now how about getting us back on the road? Hey man, this guy's got you hostage. You might want to watch your language. You got to be respectful of Johnny Five. Okay. He likes it. He likes a little like back and forth repartee. He just watched Thelma and Louise, and now he's just <laughs> reenacting. Number five said and obligingly turned the steering wheel sharply back towards the road. The truck heeled over, righted itself, and finally, with all sorts of ominous banging noises from underneath, re regained onto the highway. Road. Number five said, highway, street, lane. Meanwhile, Stephanie was obsessed with another <laughs> aspect of his bad driving. Although they were going straight, going fast, and going in top gear, they were also going on the wrong side of the road. Oh, Lord. Maybe he's British. Yeah. <laughs> Constructed in the UK. Much like this book, because it, the book has British spelling. What? Well, that's perplexing. <laughs> Why would that be the case? The Kings. Johnny Five was like, oi, mate. <laughs> I'm right, I'm right chuffed. <laughs> You're a real bugger, Johnny Five. Here comes Lori. Fortunately, there was hardly any other traffic around. As patiently as she could, Stephanie said, Okay, number five, next lesson. See that white lane paint on the road? Follow it. Obligingly, number five swung over until the truck exactly straddled the central white line. Unfortunately, in the process, he managed to block both lanes. That's how I drive. Power move. This is my road. You put a wide load on the back of any car you drive, too. Yeah, I drive a Prius with a big thing that says wide load on the back and drive right dead center. People honk and honk, and all I do is just throw garbage out my window at them. Wide load, wide turns. Mm -hmm. I have a sticker on the back that says California Raisin on board. <laughs> You've got like some clear. little stick figure families, but it's all just, mm -hmm. it's just it's one, raisins. one raisin. I yell at the window, I need a wide berth. And then they understand. An oncoming car appeared from a dip in the road ahead of them. The driver saw them at the last moment, swung his wheel desperately, and promptly went into a four-wheel circular skid. As events turned out, he was facing the right way as he passed the truck, so no contact was actually made. But his skid continued a while after that, culminating in a cloud of dust on the side of the road a hundred yards behind them. 
Keep to the right of the line, Stephanie said, gripping everything in sight. Right, right, right. Johnny Five peered in the rear view and the, that car exploded. His body counts at He's one. Like disassembled. <laughs> Tuned up. Right, accurate, correct, proper, appropriate. No, you numbskull. Right, this side. Over here, my side. Then, in final desperation, starboard. <laughs> wow. He speaks in nautical terms. Starboard. Number five said calmly and promptly moved the truck onto the correct lane. Okay, Stephanie said, breathing again. Now the immediate problems were over with. It struck her that he was actually driving rather well. He maintained a steady speed, kept the truck exactly parallel to the center white line, and at five-second intervals glanced punctuously into the rearview mirror. He even rested an elbow on the sealed open window. Damn, this guy's cruising. Lit a cigarette, <laughs> put his feet on the dash. <laughs> <laughs> Put some hollow notes on the radio. He like opened his stomach part up and pulled out the gin and tonic ingredients and just whipped them. <laughs> started chugging. Johnny Five's like, let's take the top down. <laughs> I want to feel that wind in my circuits. Stonewall's voice came in over the radio link. All units close in. Zero in on trace readings. And wait for further instructions. Chapman said, we're not crashing up, Cross. Stonewall will find him before we do. Wait, what's this? People are looking for Johnny? Mm-hmm. Okay. This is the army? Mm. Unclear whether it's the United States Army or some private army. Mm. Really unclear the entire time. Hmm. Hey, Chapman, any chance Stonewall might get a little interference on the tracking frequency? It's very likely, considering the circumstances. Chapman twiddled one of the tuner dials at the back of the tracer. Almost at once, they both heard a familiar voice say, We're losing the goddamn signal. What the hell's wrong with this crapshit machinery anyway? Excuse me? I thought this was a kid's book. Crosby grinned. Hey, which direction is number five going in now? Away, Chapman said hopelessly. <laughs> is Crosby the uh, Gutenberg? Yeah, Crosby's the Gut. Mm -hmm. That helps me envision this better. The trace is fading all the time. Crosby leaned over to see. Right. Time for serious driving. He swung the wheel over, left the road, and set out across the rough ground. Chapman lurched painfully against the door of the truck. Did you notice that there's no road here? He said. Shortest distance between two points, Crosby said mildly. Didn't they teach you anything at school in Calcutta? Oh. oh. Chapman is the Indian. Wait, what? You didn't know that? Interesting. What's his name in the movie? No, they changed his name. What's his name in the movie? Okay. Ben Jagadiad right. or something like That's that. That's fine. So you're calling this guy Chapman. In the book, he's called Chigger? Yes. And he's... Okay. Whatever. That's all the information that I have. Why would they change the names? This is like a novelization of the movie. Well, I don't know. Why would... I? Oh, do they make him just a white guy? They just said but he was living in Calcutta. Why would they say Calcutta? No, he's, he's Indian, all right. Got a lot of questions here. We're going to have to catch up with uh, Colin Wedgelock and see what he has to say about it. It was Philadelphia, actually, Chapman said. Okay, Stephanie said again. Now we got the steering right. Let's experiment with stopping the goddamn thing. Would you try the brakes, please? Number five did not respond. Hey, I want you to stop, damn it. What's the matter with you? Are they on the highway? I'd be like, let's find a parking lot. Then you can do some circles. We'll, we'll practice. We'll get you a permit. Let's do this the right way, Johnny. I'd love to see him do some donuts. Burnouts. Yeah. Figure eights. Yeah. Oh, yeah. With precision. Ooh. Uh-huh. He can start drifting. He can do those turns where he's on one, on one side of the car, one set of wheels. He's in the parking lot, and they're just letting him go at it. And he's like, eight, zero, zero, eight, 
five. Oh my god, <laughs> Johnny, you're nasty. They're like, you just ruined this parking lot, and he's like, did I? And then they see it from above, and they're like, oh, Johnny. And then that's the end of the movie. <clears throat> I wouldn't mind that. Flee, elude, evade, escape. Why? Concerned, worried, alarmed, uneasy, afraid. Afraid of what? Nova, disassemble, dead, disassemble, dead. They came to an intersection, one that had led down to the shore of the lake. Another time, Stephanie had frequently driven down to the lake, but now she expected number five to head on relentlessly toward the distant mountains to the north. Instead, he swung sharply to the right and followed the lake road. Now where are you going? White line, he replied. It was true, a curved line. He's about to start doing cocaine. Yeah. Johnny's feeling it right now, dude. He's he's on top of the world. He's like, let's just elevate this gin a little bit. <laughs> I'm crashing. I need a, need a boost. Let's stop there. <laughs> oh, all right. Fine with me. Well, hey, cool. He's learning how to drive. Getting loaded. My two favorite pastimes. Uh, good for Johnny. I hope he can outrun the law here. Stay away from Steve Gutenberg and that ambiguous indian man uh i always thought <laughs> i haven't seen the movie which is clear now to me uh-huh. uh i always thought fisher stevens character was like a good guy he is oh so is steve gutenberg is everybody a good guy who's the bad guy the army oh that makes sense i thought this there. took place in new york city nope that's way off it base. definitely takes place in oregon or california maybe not two. maybe the sequel or the squeakquel they said Oregon in the book so i take it it's there yeah the sequel does take place i believe in new york or a similar city mm-hmm. all good sequels take place in new york home alone lost in new york whatever you got to establish the brand first <laughs> and then you take them to new york and let them run loose kind of like in the 90s where every sitcom had an episode where they went to disney world yeah it's just the natural progression of things some movies start in new york like, like escape from new york and then they go to the west coast then they go to la mm-hmm. All right, hey, let's jump ahead now. We'll catch up with Johnny Five in a moment. Here's more of the, the thrilling story of Johnny Five and Short Circuit by Colin Wedgelock. Let's just get into it. I don't need the who, de- who did what. I don't care about the summary part. <laughs> Listen, well, I do, okay? Kanish is really determined to let everybody know how much he loves Short Circuit. No, at this point, I've started it, so I might as well finish it. All right, well, let's do it faster. I'll keep it speedy, all right? Okay. So Newton Crosby shows up. Where? On the road? No, he finds Stephanie and he finds Johnny Five. Five conveys the message that he's alive and he wants to survive. The security team shows up with Newton, starts shooting at him. What? Johnny Five returns fire with laser beams. (laughs) With nukes. Suck on this, army man. Newton gets the security team to stop shooting and powers down the robot. As the security team takes Five away, Newton instructs his assistant, Ben, to go with them and be sure not to erase the robot's memory. However, once he's loaded in the back of the van... Johnny Five fires himself back up, what? and he replaces what? his broken arm. Yeah, that's scary. <laughs> they got to destroy Johnny Five. When Ben and the driver see Johnny Five is operational again, they panic and abandon the van, and Johnny Five drives away and removes the tracking device attached to it. Whoa! Johnny this Five is ex- exactly up. the kind of gumption and self-preservation you would need in a top-of-the-line sandwich artist. That's true. 
when somebody comes in with a, a complaint, you need a guy who can not only stand up for himself, but commit a murder and get away with it. And that's what Johnny Five can do. That's what he brings to the table. He's hired. I'll tell you one thing. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. Anti-Fogel about Johnny Five. He never would have let the cops take him alive. Ah, <laughs> uh, boy. Let's stop there. Had a good run. <laughs> so that night, Stephanie's back at her house. And to relax from a long, trying day, she's taking a nice bath. And who shows up? None other than Mr. Johnny Five himself, insisting... Ooh, that telesco- the telescopic lens comes peering through the bathroom window. I get it. Insisting that he's still alive. She agrees to let the robot stay the night. And later, the two dance together. <laughs> what kind? Tango? No. Five imitates a dance it observed while watching the movie Saturday Night Fever. Disco. Oh, he's straight disco. Nice. The next morning, Stephanie's former boyfriend, Frank, arrives to collect the $25,000 reward for the robot. And that's where we're... That's it? Twenty-five k for a government robot with nukes on it? It's a million-dollar robot right there. $25,000 nothing. Here's what you I'll do. I'll hold on to it. All right. You get Johnny Five. You lop his head off. And you're like, I got him. So they, then they front you the 25K. Then you hold on to the nukes and you sell those on the black market. Hell yeah. Now we're talking. Now Shane's thinking. I like what I hear. You know, what's funny is that I'm looking over this page in the book and I've seen that they have taken the reward money from the movie and lowered it. <laughs> even <laughs> It's even less what, in the book. What was it in the movie? It was $25,000. What is it in the book? You're about to find out, because here we are jumping right. back in. Frank is here for the reward. Hey, Steph, says Frank, getting out of his car. Hey, I thought I'd find you here. The one place no one would ever think to look, right? Anyway, where's that little pervert robot you got? What the hell are you doing here, creep? She had stepped down from the house and was marching aggressively towards him. He crossed to her quickly and grabbed her arm. Stephanie tried to squirm away, but he held her more firmly. And with his free hand, he patted her backside. Ugh, Frank. I hope Johnny Five cuts his head off. <laughs> he breaks out that little sandwich knife, gets to gets to slicing. Hey, I'd hate to see that pretty little asshole wind up in jail. But for ten thousand bucks, ten thousand—that's it. You can you can melt this thing down and sell it for more. That's insane. <laughs> what? Reaganomics. <laughs> Reaganomics, baby. <laughs> That's what they call trickle down economics, right there. You make a movie and you say you're going to get $25,000. And then in the book version, you're getting $10,000. And then the Spark Notes version of that, you're getting five. That's the 80s, baby. And what's under that? Is there anything less than Spark Notes? Yeah, this podcast. <laughs> you get 20 bucks. Yeah, I'd say so. I think that's appropriate. We're the poor man's spark notes. We should have just called this. That should be our podcast line. <laughs> You're a TV star, Steph. <laughs> There's a fat reward out for whatever it was you stole. What was it, anyhow? None of your damn business. Well, I just couldn't believe it. Stealing secret stuff used to get mad at me if I even stole a six pack. <laughs> I never stole anything. So Frank's a thief. Good to know. Quality. They're lying. She tried to get him to release her, striking at him with her fists. But Frank had always been stronger than her. He started tweaking at the ties of her robe. But before I turn you in, hun, we're going to have some fun, you and me. Wow, so Frank's a rapist. Where's Johnny Five? He better get in here and start lighting yeah. this fucker up with his, his creme brulee torch. It's time to <laughs> slice and dice. Make some cold cuts. 
Hello, Frank. <laughs> I need some more meat for my sandwich. To her horror, he began dragging her towards the thick bushes at the back of the house. Don't you dare touch me. Hey, just once for all time's sake. As they struggled, number five appeared at the door of the house. Stephanie, let her go. You get your damn hands off her. Aid, help, comfort, reassurance. Frank quit trying to drag her and stared in amazement at number five. Jesus, he said. Well, you look at that. No wonder they're paying so much money. <laughs> Forget it, Frank. You aren't going anywhere with either of us. Listen to me, Stephanie. I took a lot of crap from you before, but this is big money we're talking about. Big. <laughs> $10,000, I'll be set for life. $5,000? I won't have to work another day in my life. Hey, $5,000, that's enough to buy a boat. <laughs> they're giving me a cool $750, all right? That's all I need. I'll never see you again. Okay, okay, but he's a computer. You have to talk computer to him or he won't understand. Tell him exactly what you're doing, where you're going, and what you want to do with him. Otherwise, he won't understand. Frank dragged her across to number five. All right, robot. I want you to come with me. We're going to go for a little ride in my car, and I'm going to take you home. Home, said number five. Home, secure, safe. What's he talking about? I told you. Tell him exactly where you want to take him. Okay, robot, we're going to take you home to Nova. A cloud of dirt flew up and grated into Frank's <laughs> eyes. When he could see again, number five was nowhere in sight. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, he used um, that pocket sand. Was it? sand blast. Sand, sand, sand screen. <laughs> That's his Pokemon move. <laughs> ah, my eyes. Good thing they weren't on hardwood. You're so goddamn stupid, Stephanie shouted. She managed to get a punch on his face, and as he momentarily slackened <laughs> her, his hold on her, she wiggled free. She sprinted off toward the house. Frank ran behind her. He caught up easily, twisted her arm painfully behind her. I'll show you how goddamn stupid I am. You're still worth $300. Let's go. <laughs> he, he began dragging her back around the house while Stephanie divided her attention between trying to break away from him and finding number five. He was her only hope, but he seemed to have completely vanished. Johnny Five, kill! Kill, Johnny! They returned to the front of the house where Frank had left his car to find. The car had been dismantled, not broken up, oh. not damaged in every, any way. Every screw, rivet, and bolt had been Whoa. undone, and all the parts had been laid neatly on the ground like the bones of some hapless animal dissected in a lab. Disassembled. The old Johnny Five tune-up. <laughs> Wouldn't want him as my mechanic. Number five was standing beside it, casually reading through the operating manual. <laughs> Stephanie burst out laughing as Frank at last released her. Number five, that's wonderful, she howled and doubled up laughing. Ain't that that? Well, it wasn't me, Stephanie said. I'll blow its goddamn hell off. <laughs> Damn. White with anger, he pulled a gun from inside his shirt, leveled it at number five, Whoa! and pulled the trigger. <laughs> A gun in his shirt this whole time. He just unloaded oh on Johnny God. Five. That's the opposite of Chekhov's gun. We didn't even know he had one. Is Johnny Five gonna do? He's gonna do like the Keanu Reeves bullet time. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna like bend backwards and it's gonna fly past him. Then Frank's gonna do a curved bullet wanted style. That's pretty badass, dude. I mean, Frank's a piece of shit, but damn, the hidden gun. Not even threatening. Pull it out and immediately take the shot. He's not fucking around. Where do you think he was hiding that thing? drawers in between his pecs it was in his shirt he said thing probably stinks you know yeah well i would guess everything about frank stinks he seems like a stinky guy well he does poop out of his chest so. whoa <laughs> I, don't, I haven't seen the movie so i can't tell you you're wrong but it doesn't sound right they wrote him like that yeah 
<laughs> the actor actually improvised that. It was a character. He drew choice. like a little butthole on his chest with a sharpie. He came to the director and was like, I was thinking about having my guy poop out of his chest. And the director was like, no, you're just like a regular guy. And he was like, no, 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 no. This is what I see for the character. And he's like, well, you are a famous actor. <laughs> By the name of Brian McNamara. Boy, I know who that is. Who directed this movie? Brian McNamara. <laughs> it was a passion project. He was the auteur. John Badham. Can you hear that noise? I uh-huh. cut that out. It's my sink. Give it a minute. What you got in there? My s- slugs. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I keep my slugs. I don't know. My sink just makes a gurgling noise every now and then. Who knows why? New York City is a wonderful place. I got a radiator that shoots hot brown water at me and a sink that sounds like there's a fucking animal inside. <laughs> and that's just how it's supposed to be. If you Google it, everybody's just like, that's New York, baby. <laughs> okay, so Short Circuit was directed by John Badham, who also directed Saturday Night Fever. Oh, is that why we got the Saturday Night Fever callback? Saturday Night Fever is an infinitely better movie than Short Circuit, right? No. Saturday Night Fever is a good movie. So short circuit. I, I, well, I, I, no, should, I, sh- I guess I shouldn't but... ask you this. I'll ask somebody who's <laughs> not biased immensely towards short circuit. <laughs> Saturday Night Fever is like a bleak movie with like adult themes. <laughs> doesn't that doesn't mean it's good? Well, it's you're right. It doesn't mean. Well, it is good. Have you seen it? It's a pretty yeah, it's good movie. Fine. It's a good movie. It's not as uplifting as Short Circuit, but yeah, it's actively the opposite of that. It's depressing. Nish, were you really in the Saturday Night Fever in college? I do recall something like that. Yeah, I liked it. It was a good <laughs> no, movie. You were wearing like the shirts and the bell bottoms. What <laughs> shirts? <laughs> you were strutting around town. <laughs> no, that was my love for that one scene from Spider-Man 3. You were eating two slices of pizza at once, like John Travolta and Saturday Night Fever. I remember that. Those were the days. Ganesha's Saturday Night Fever face. And me, I was all about the California raisins. <laughs> <laughs> I had to keep my door closed. The raisins were getting too rowdy. In one smooth movement, number five tossed aside the operating manual, picked up a brake disc, and raised it in front of his face. The bullet struck it and ricocheted into space. Outer space? That's cool. Number five said in the voice of John Wayne, Say, Pilgrim, that like departed my hair. You know, if you want to play rough, I can sure oblige you. Frank fired again and again. Both times the bullet was deftly deflected. Hey, how can he do that? He pulled the trigger repeatedly until the gun was empty. Stephanie... Gun, safe, empty, evacuated. He emptied a clip at Johnny Five. <laughs> in, his, in Stephanie's front yard. What kind of neighborhood is this? <laughs> it's just a belligerent man unloading a handgun on a fucking robot who just disassembled a car. <laughs> Listen, this is the Pacific Northwest, dude. It's the fucking... It's all Oregon, sorts yeah. of crazy shit happens out there. You're right. Oregon, this is where all those like sovereign citizens live and shit. This is yeah. just like... That's a live and let live area it's like, like hey i don't <laughs> i don't judge it's a part of the northwest that's like desert like in like the later twin peaks you know it's like yeah out, there you go yeah, out in the boonies it's one of those neighborhoods where the neighbors are all just like i didn't see nothing <laughs> what you and your robot do on your property is your business <laughs> the idea of this guy just straight unloading a full clip <laughs> on johnny five man that's america baby that's what the second amendment's for if a robot disassembled my car, you better believe I'm fucking packing heat and I'm taking him down. <laughs> That's my ride. I would have just assumed it's like a like a sexual thing with the robot. I would have assumed <laughs> that the robot would probably put it back together if I had asked it nicely. I wouldn't just shoot at it right away. That's like my second yeah. or third option. Frank's a hothead. He's not a thinker. No. I'd first ask nicely, and then I'd 
cry and beg. And then third is shoot. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> cry first and then shoot is Ganesha's rule. CBS, cry, beg, shoot. <laughs> Starring Harry Connick Jr. I wish. Mm -mm -mm. Eye candy. The life story of Ganesh Sarma. Ooh. Starring Harry Connick Jr. <laughs> the life story? The reverse Fisher Stevens. Oh, actually, I guess it's the same direction of Fisher Stevens. I would be honored. Hold on. Wait, let me sing gurgle a little bit. <laughs> I just fed it. I would be honored if Harry Connick Jr. put on brown face and played me in a movie. That would be pretty cool. Probably a, a, a career ender for him, <laughs> but a huge boost for your brand, for sure. <laughs> Harry Connick with his sweet Cajun drawl. My name's Ganesh Sarma. It kind of works. <laughs> <laughs> Here's my Christmas album. The classic scene where Harry Connick's dressed up in the Charmander costume, getting his face punched. <laughs> the life story of Ganesh. Bet you're wondering how I got out of this here pickle. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's me, Ganesh Sarma. I sang my way out. <laughs> he starts crooning, as Ganesh is known, known for. Number five threw aside the disc break, but he didn't just toss it casually. He spun it like a frisbee straight at one of the pine trees that grew beside the house. It cut through one of the thickest branches, which, which fell promptly to the ground. Frank's jaw gaped. My God, Johnny Five's an arborist now? Then he ducked down and grabbed a piston from the remains of the car and hurled it at number five. <laughs> Bullets didn't work. I guess we'll just throw stuff at him. Five caught it casually and tossed it aside. Not to be beaten, Frank then picked up a length of exhaust pipe, holding it like a lance, advanced on number five. He swung it viciously at the robot, who parried it with one of his arms. Frank swung it again and again, exhausting himself, and each time number five shrugged it aside casually. I guess Johnny Five's got like Terminator energy right now. <laughs> you cannot beat this guy. Tiring of the game, number five flipped the length of the pipe out of Frank's hands, then pushed the young man backwards. He staggered helplessly and fell backwards into one of the car's bucket seats. Now, smart guy, eh? Number five said in the voice of Edward G. Robinson. <laughs> Who do you think you're pushing around? Hey, how smart is this thing? Frank shouted, trying to get out of the seat and keep an eye on number five at the same time. Now it was George Raff's turn to speak. Frankie, you've broke the unwritten law. You've ratted on your friends. When you do that, Frankie, your enemies don't respect you. And you've got no friends no more. You got nobody, Frankie. Let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. In my mind in the movie which you haven't seen johnny which i haven't seen this is all preconceived notions i've had about short circuit i thought okay. johnny five could talk i didn't know he was only speaking in like recorded bits of pop culture he talks but he doesn't what do you mean by talk i thought he could talk in like english every time johnny five's just talking he's just like malfunction car yeah stop. That, that's how, that's that's how, how he talks in the movie for the large majority of it and then for some reason well i mean i guess it makes sense as time goes on, he reads and watches he learns. English gets better and better. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> All right. Slugs are acting up. <laughs> Slugs are hungry. We don't usually do this in the middle of the day. It's lunchtime for them. Give it a second. Hold on. Let me just... <laughs> All right, it's good. It's kind of at a low gurgle now. As he spoke the lines, number five picked up a hubcap and flipped it up and down like a huge coin. Frank was on his feet again. <laughs> Heads you live, tails you die. Frank was on his feet again. While number five's <laughs> attention was apparently wandering, he grabbed at a heavy drive shaft of the car and hefted it like a baseball bat. He dived at number five very fast indeed and brought the immense shaft down on the robot's head. Number five killed over, panting. Frank said, how about that, you goddamn freak? <laughs> Ali Sheedy needs to step in here. 
It's time for her to sneak up behind him with a pipe. He raised the drive shaft <laughs> for one more crushing blow, but now Stephanie dived to the rescue. She hurled herself against him, sufficiently hard to dislodge his balance. The drive shaft thudded harmlessly into the ground next to number five's head. Frank turned his attention once more on Stephanie. He began hitting her very hard indeed. Oh, no. Within seconds, she fell to the ground. Number five said, Johnny Five's eyes turned red with rage. Number five said, No, not disassemble, Stephanie. Frank turned in horror. Number five was upright again, and his laser was ready for action. Oh, fry him. Yeah, aimed right for the testicles. A couple slow-cooked meatballs. Subway special. Subway sounds. The branding's finally making sense. <laughs> Number five fired a burst from the laser. The drive shaft was sliced like salami. Oh, salami, you say? Uh, I've been calling it. That would be great on the uh, spicy Italian. Frank threw the remains of it aside before the deadly beam reached his hand. He started to back away from number five, but the robot wanted to finish him off. He aimed his laser with great <laughs> precision and got to work. <laughs> the heels of Frank's cowboy boots were shot away. <laughs> Damn! Dance. The man staggered back. <laughs> the belt on his trousers snapped in half. <laughs> The metal zip fastener on his trousers burst apart and his pants fell down. Oh my god. Frank tripped and collapsed backwards. He covered his Johnny head. Johnny Five spoke. Micro penis. <laughs> <laughs> no, my shame. <laughs> Let's stop there. Are what? You kidding? No. Is that more. it? Is there not more Little to this fight more. scene? He just knocked his pants off. He what took his next? pants off and Frank runs away, dude. <laughs> Pantsless? My god. Johnny Five pulled no punches, dude. He humiliated him. Good lord. There's more? That's not the end of the book? <laughs> I didn't realize this, this movie slash book had that kind of fight scene in it. Yeah, That happens in the movie? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. His pants fall off? His pants do indeed fall off. Do you see his butt? Uh, he's wearing boxers, so... Oh. Boring. I wanted him to be nude. Nobody in the 80s wore underwear under their pants. I guess you gotta keep that PG or whatever. All right. Well, hey, we're almost done here. Mm -hmm. Next page is the last page. Let's jump ahead now and uh, come to the thrilling conclusion of Short Circuit by one Colin Wedgelock. The uh, last page? Is that right, Ganesh? Is that what we're doing here? Last page? Uh-huh. Last page of Short Circuit by Colin Wedgelock. After, I'm excited to see what happens after that embarrassing beatdown he just gave Frank. The next page is just Johnny Five fucking taunting him and, like, standing over his dead body. So Frank runs away. Steve <laughs> Gutenberg is looking for Johnny Five again. And the Nova Chief radios that Stephanie wants to meet with him. Steve Gutenberg goes to the Black Cat Inn where Stephanie tries to convince him that Johnny Five is alive. Steve Gutenberg responds that the robot can seem lifelike, but it is malfunctioning. As they talk, Stephanie realizes that the Nova operatives are in the restaurant waiting to capture Johnny Five. Meanwhile, Five is hiding in the woods nearby when the other Saint robots, which is one through four, try to capture it. Five eludes them and then reprograms them to behave like screen comics, the Three Stooges. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Five goes back to the Black Cat Inn, rescues Stephanie from the Nova security team. They drive away together while the security team chases them. They elude their pursuers. And then they return to the Black Cat Inn where Five kidnaps Newton Crosby. Whoa. Five insists he's alive and refuses to allow Newton to reprogram it or even look at its wiring. Five says that it's wrong to kill or disassemble, something he learned from watching the TV. 
Newton asks Five how he knows that and performs various tests on Fives, including a Rorschach test. <laughs> well, he's alive. He did the Rorschach test. As Five offers human-like responses, Newton is slowly swayed. When finally the scientist tells a joke, Five responds with laughter. Newton says that is a spontaneous emotional response, and he is finally convinced the robot is indeed alive. All right. Nova security men arrive along with the army demanding the robot. They capture. Oh, so it is like a it is like a private army and the real army working in coordination. Yeah. Just like real life. They capture Newton and Stephanie, but Five hides in the van. As the men approach, Five dashes out the back of the van and races across the desert. The army shoots at the robot and the helicopter fires a bazooka at it, destroying it. Damn, it's like that scene in the Eric Bana uh, Hulk. Uh, Hulk. Yeah. yeah, and it's got like a million different like comic book style frames and it's moving all around and Nick Nolte's there and he looks all crazy. Man, Nick Nolte should be in this movie. So wait, what is it? They just blew him up? Devastated by his death, Stephanie collapses and Newton tries to comfort her. Howard Marner is devastated by the loss of the valuable robot and tries to fire both Newton and the security chief, Scroder. And that's where we're coming back in. Doesn't sound right. Still don't. I think you're saying it wrong. Yeah, I don't care for Scroder. Scrotier, I think it's perhaps. Tum at the end. So Stephanie and Steve <laughs> Gutenberg are driving away and that's where we're jumping back in here. Crosby, I think there's someone in the truck with us. She turned around in horror in time to see a hatch in the floor of the van was slowly rising. Then number five poked his head out. <gasps> Hello, bozos, he said. <laughs> oh, come on. This guy's fun. Number five, Stephanie gasped. She scrambled out of her seat and rushed to him. But what? How? They blew you up. Johnny Five's funny. He should become a comedian. This is the 80s. This is like the comedy boom. He should go hang out at the comedy store and get his Type 5 worked out. Johnny Type 5. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Shore free, he said. What? Shore, beach, coast free. She laughed and hugged his skinny neck in her arms. Yeah, the coast is clear, she said. She helped number five drag himself out from under the truck. Stephanie, fondness, affection, warmth, love. He announced happily. She was laughing and crying all at once. But number five, we saw they blew you up. Steve Gutenberg looked back at them both. He's <laughs> not even going to even say his character's name. He's just Steve Gutenberg now. Hey, how'd you do it, number five? He said. Facimil, replication, counterfeit, fake, he proudly said, and pointed toward the depleted supply of spares. You made a decoy. Oh, of course. I blew up my brother to save myself. <laughs> Well, he wasn't alive, just a robot. Stephanie, number five, moved forward to the front of the truck. She said, But is this really you, number five, not another decoy? His eye flaps went up and down emphatically, and he banged him himself on his metal chest. Number five, real thing, <laughs> he said. Stephanie hugged him excitedly. Listen, you two lovers, Steve Gutenberg said. I don't want to break things up, but we're not out of the clear yet. He pointed forward. They now were approaching the highway and could see a huge convoy of police vehicles that had been drawn up. Officer convoy! Could see that a huge convoy of police vehicles had been drawn up. Officers were standing by the car, staring out toward him. What's going on? I don't know. Maybe Marner changed his mind about me. What do we do? Proceed, said number five. <laughs> Johnny's going to shoot all their pants off just like he did to Frank. But they'll sure as hell stop us for questions. Watch your belt buckles, boys. Johnny Five's coming. Proceed. He was concentrating on something. A red light flickered close to his RF antenna. What are you doing? Stephanie said. Number Five turned his lenses toward her very intently. Number Five, 
Telephone police, he said. Now number five, telephone police again. Ahead of them, there were a sudden flurry of activity as the police officers rushed back to their car. All along the line of cars, red and blue flashing lights switched on and the sirens started howling. The car started up, accelerating away, driving in all directions at high speeds. Johnny Five's doing false reports. <laughs> Johnny Five just called and was like, I have a whole school hostage. And I just shot three kids. Come and get me. Within a minute, every single one was out of sight. Steve Gutenberg got to the road and turned the truck in an easterly direction. He was humming a Coca-Cola jingle. Hey, Boza, where are you going? Masonville's the other way. Well, looks like Oregon's gonna be a bit hot for me. Thought I might head for Montana. What's in Montana? Oh, that's a place of mine, nice and quiet there. Safe, secure, home, number five said. You betcha, well, what about me? Stephanie said. Uh, hmm. I got a king-size bed. Come on over. I'll drop you off at a bus station. Or I guess you can come with us if you want. Us? Yeah, number five and me. Well, that's a hell of a friendly invitation, but I'll come with you anyway. <laughs> uh, All right. Good deal. Listen, Steve Gutenberg, there's something I need to know. Do you like animals? Yeah, I love them. Number five shuffled forward slightly and put his arm around each of them. Bozo's fond. Affection, love, he said. Not yet, Stephanie said, but we're working on it. <laughs> Steve Gutenberg's like, uh, let's not jump to any conclusions here. <laughs> I keep my options open. She reached across, took Steve Gutenberg's hand and held it tightly. The end. Wow. Love story. I was hoping it was going to be between Johnny Five and Stephanie, but I guess the Goot is a good second option. Well, that's exciting. I understand why that was your favorite movie as a kid. It's fun to have robots shoot a man's pants off. <laughs> Hard to beat. Well, what do you think? You happy with that? You happy with our first episode here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm happy with it. Kanish wants another shot at it. Do over. No, I thought it was good. <laughs> let's uh, delete all of that and uh, let's go back and reread it. Um, no. <laughs> let's end the episode. Are we good? Did we finish it? Is that the end? That's it. We actually, you know what's great? We just clocked in at a perfect one hour. We did it, folks. <laughs> yep, one hour exactly. If you look down at your podcast app, surely it'll say 59 minutes and 30 seconds. You hear that beep? Oh, that's the one hour alarm. All right. That's it. We did it. One hour, folks. And we're going to do it again next time. That's it. That's the episode. Thanks for listening to the very first episode of Let's Stop There. Many thanks to the returning listeners of Amazon Book Club. There's going to be more where this came from in the very near future. Thanks to Chris Linquist for our brand new artwork. It's beautiful. Thanks to Morris Reese for our brand new music. It's beautiful. Thanks to you for <laughs> That's listening. It? That's all you got to say? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel... How about something a little bit more heartfelt, dude? <sighs> it's very beautiful. Wow. Shayna did me. Can't get better than that. It's good shit. How about that, huh? Love it. I love it. I'd kill for it. If you don't like it, I'll kill you. Is that good? Is that high praise enough? All right. Yeah, maybe too much. Okay. You can find us at uh, letstopthere.com. Is that right? Did we get that domain? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good. That's, you go to that website. You can listen to the podcast if you like. You can find us at Let's Stop There on Twitter and Facebook and Twitch and TikTok, I suppose. <laughs> hey, how much content we got up there? On the TikTok? Uh-huh. Oh, easily hundreds of videos. I've really been pumping them out lately. <laughs> Uh, the Instagram handle is to be determined. We've offered the owner of Let's Stop There money, and uh, we've been ghosted. So we may have to take it by force. Other than that, 
We got a phone number. Can you say that again? What's that number? 567-309-0357. Same dumbass phone number. Call in if Short Circuit was your favorite movie, or if you're a big Steve Gutenberg fan, or if you're actually Steve Gutenberg, or you'd like to be an intern and have full access to our TikTok and just post whatever you'd like on it. Anybody Gen Z who wants to run our TikTok, get in touch, because we are almost boomers at this point we're we're about to hit boomer level so somebody's got to help me with this that's it have a good one we'll be back soon oh wait patreon.com slash let's stop there give us money and you get more episodes see you around have a good one we love you Uh, bye-bye Welcome to Let's Stop There, the podcast where we read a book. It's kind of a mouthful. Hey, welcome to Let's Stop There, the podcast where we read a one book and then we read one. <laughs> hey, welcome. I like hey, welcome to Let's Stop There, but it's just what do I say? Right? We read a whole book in one hour. Yeah. Hey, welcome to Let's Stop There, the podcast where we read. Hey, welcome to Let's Stop There, the podcast where we read a whole book in one hour. Hey, welcome to Let's Stop There. We're gonna read a book in an hour. <laughs> Hey, welcome to Let's Stop There. We're going to read a book in one hour. <laughs> hey, welcome to... Give me a minute. Just give me a minute. Hey, welcome to Let's Stop There. I'm just talking it out. Hey, welcome to Let's Stop There, where we read a whole book in one hour. Hey, welcome to Let's Stop There, where we read one book... <laughs> we read a whole book in one hour. Hey, welcome to Let's Stop There. This week, we're reading Short Circuit by Colin Wet... <laughs> Fuck me, dude. Oh, I'm going to kill myself. Hey, welcome to... Should I say welcome to? What do you want me to say? Hey, this is Let's Stop There. <laughs> I don't know. What do you... I don't know. I don't, I'm losing steam here. I don't know what you want to do with it. I've recorded like six different versions. I'll do one more. Hey, what... <laughs> like yelling. I'm like yelling though. Hey, welcome to Let's Stop There, the podcast where we read a whole book and... That's like a, where we read. That's like a fucking... It's hard to get those words out. Hey. Hey. <laughs> I'm losing my mind.